This is the KGEZ Good Morning Show with John Hendricks and Robin Mitchell. Now, Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. 15 minutes with one of Northwest Montana's newsmakers. Glacier Bank's totally free checking saves you both time and money. Visit your nearest Glacier Bank office today. There's a convenient location near you. Glacier Bank, member FDIC and an equal housing lender. And today we welcome our Attorney General, Austin Knutson. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good, good morning, morning, Austin. Man. How long did it take you to prepare to be the Attorney General? Oh, boy, prepare? I don't know. Are you ever prepared for that job? <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I mean is I, I, I've got to... I'm going somewhere with this, so... You know, I, I, I think being in the legislature pre- prepared me for it. I mm-hmm. think being a county attorney and, and a criminal prosecutor for a couple of years really prepared me for it. Uh, but I mean, certainly there were a lot of things I had no idea about. I mean, I, I had no idea about the motor vehicle division. I had no idea about the, the crime lab. You know, I have no background in, in forensic science or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Other than my time as a prosecutor and dealing with some of that toxicology and that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, administering an agency of 800 plus people, that was a new experience for me. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty small law firm and I, I, I've had employees, but never that many. So I, I don't know that I was totally prepared. Well, the reason I bring this up is uh, one of the things that you have really been a champion of uh, in your tenure as attorney general is uh, guns. You love guns. And it seems like you have spent a lot of time in your life preparing to make sure that we always have the freedom to keep our guns. It it, it is a passion of mine. I mean, it it they, they, it really is my hobby. I mean, whether it's whether it's reloading or you know making ammunition or or you know collecting, uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a, a, a fascination and a, and a hobby of mine since I was a little kid. So yeah. So now you take the all your learning and all your experience and everything and just do your best to stave off anybody who might want to take those rights away from Well, them. it's it's interesting. You know, I, I, I was actually in front of a, a high school class just, just yesterday in Great Falls. And, and what, it, what fascinates me is the number of people who want to create legislation or, or, or pass rules about firearms who know nothing about them. You know, not, not the foggiest idea of how they operate or, or the mechanics or, or any of the physics behind it, the, 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 the science behind how, how ammunition operates. But everyone's an expert in it, and it, it, it's kind of become an interesting space for me where I where I get to actually kind of educate people, and I can I can talk pretty specifically about how these things work. And I mean, okay, yeah, that that rifle you might think looks scary, but functionally it works exactly the same as this hunting rifle over here mm-hmm. that you say is not scary and you don't want to regulate. I mean, it's stuff like that that you, yeah, you, you can bring a little bit of expertise to it. You know, what drove me crazy living in New York City was uh, New York, they wanted uh, a law about transporting guns into the state. And uh, why do we need that law? Well, people are killing people. And I said, well, don't we have a law against people killing people right. already? <laughs> <laughs> Last time I checked, murder was illegal, yes. <laughs> so hey, that was, you know, I, I think I get where you're going here is we just keep trying to legislate until we're so darn confused we don't know what we got. Well, what's, what's frustrating to me right now is, I mean, you, you've got the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. That's the federal agency that spends a lot of time promulgating regulations about firearms, and they regulate the firearms industry. I would argue probably the most highly regulated industry in America, right? If, if you're a federal firearms license holder, you are, you are subject to inspection at the drop of a hat, uh, your, your entire premises, your home, whatever the case may be. 
um, the ATF puts out a lot of rules. What the, the, the most recent one that I pushed back on is they, they are trying to redefine what is a dealer. And, and here's my analogy. I mean, you, you buy a car and you drive it for a little while and you go, you know what? I don't like how this car fits me. I have a hard time getting in and, in and out of it. It's too low slung to the ground and the traction's not good enough. I need four wheel drive, whatever, different features. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. You decide you want to sell it. So you advertise it and you, you sell your car. Does that make you a car dealer? Yeah. <laughs> and so this, this is literally the newest regulation that, that's that being proposed by the, the Bureau of Alcohol, hmm. Tobacco, and Firearms right now is that if, if, you, if, I, if I go buy a, a, a duck hunting shotgun and I don't like how it fits me, the stock is too short, it's too long, it's too heavy, whatever, I don't like it. If I decide I want to sell it and trade it, get rid of it and, and trade it for a different model, according to the ATF, now suddenly I'm a dealer of firearms and I must be regulated and I'm subject to inspection and civil penalty. And this is just absolutely unprecedented. I mean, this, this is crazy. We, this, is, this is Montana, this is the West, this is America for heaven's sake. If, mm-hmm. I, if I buy my son a firearm, that doesn't make me a dealer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the, the silly logical conclusion they're driving to here. Now, I, it's interesting. I, I uh, was checking to see how many uh, gun owners in the U.S. And I don't think it's calculable because it says 393 million. That means there's 120.5 firearms for every 100 American residents, which makes sense because as a gun owner, I have more than one gun. Right. You know, so that uh, makes sense. But uh, what I'm wondering about in the resale is, uh, you know, when you go in and buy a gun, you have to register for it. Is the same thing true in the secondhand market? No, and actually, you when 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 you go in and buy a retail firearm, there there is no registry. the the the, the federal government by law is not allowed. Well, there's to, a waiting period, isn't there? Well, the waiting period is so they can call in and do a background check. Okay, that that's all that is, and and usually that's supposed to be instant. So they when they call into the NICS system, that's that's the federal background check. That's supposed to be instant. Sometimes. Something pops up on that background check. They have. I might take them an extra day or two. It might take okay. them an extra hour. There's no registry. The federal government is not allowed to keep a firearms registry. Okay. Now the way they get around that is they make firearms dealers keep records. So when you fill out that paperwork when you walk into, you know, Cabela's or wherever you are, that. That dealer, that store is required to keep that piece of paper. That now okay. the ATF can come in and inspect that at any time, but they are not allowed to keep those themselves. Is that why they want to make everybody a dealer? To me, perspectively, yes. Because look, I mean, I I look at what happened in Great Falls this summer, yeah. right? You you had a you had a dealer there, uh, and a pretty high volume dealer there in Great Falls. But by all accounts, he's following the law. I mean, like I said, he's subject to inspection by the ATF at any time. You had 20 armed IRS agents show up at his store at seven o'clock in the morning with no heads up. I mean, and, and, and they were there with a subpoena for financial records. So, okay, I mean, you get audited by the IRS. Last time I checked, they don't show up at your, at, at your car dealership or your restaurant with 20 armed agents. Yeah. Usually they send your lawyer a subpoena yeah. and they say, hey, turn over these financial records. And that's certainly what they could have done here, uh, that this is actually a store owner that I, I know him personally. Not well, but I know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just absolute, mm-hmm. almost Gestapo tactics by the IRS to show up. And what really astounded me is that, so that subpoena was for 
financial records. They didn't take financial records. They took all of his, their, the, it's, it's called the, the ATF form 4473. They took wow. all of his 4473s, which is a record of every firearms transaction he has ever done through his business. I mean, it was literally thousands of them, boxes of them. Hmm. Why does the IRS have those? Why do they need those? I mean, again, the federal government is not, by law, allowed to keep a registry. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Our conversation this morning with Austin Knutson, our attorney general, and uh, let's go from guns to water right after this. <laughs> this may seem like a silly question, but hear me out. My name is Courtney Holquist with Glacier Bank, member FDIC. When operating a business, would you rather things run smoothly or be a hassle? Easy answer, right? Using efficient products and services makes all the difference. Totally free business checking with Glacier Bank is one of those tools. It helps smart business owners like you keep profits up and costs down. Our totally free business checking requires no minimum to open and no monthly service charges. You also get 3,000 free monthly transaction items. Whether you're just starting out or expanding, Glacier Bank wants to keep your business running smoothly and succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Go to GlacierBank.com, call, or visit. How about today? Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. Here again is John Hendricks. Our guest is Attorney General Austin Knudsen. And, uh, you know, I'm beginning to feel like it's true. Water's becoming the new oil. <laughs> Whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting over. That's, yeah. that's what we say in water law in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's lots going on for sure. So what's the latest EPA rule that's got you upset? Well, this one is, is, is pretty technical and pretty wonky, but basically what you have is back under the, the Obama administration, they, they, it's an existing rule under the Clean Water Act. And, and what, mm -hmm. what it allowed for really was for, for one state to wreak a lot of havoc on another state. By, by denying a water discharge permit, basically. Um, the Trump administration came in and they passed a new rule and, and, and they did it correctly. They went through notice, they went through comment, they followed the Administrative Procedures Act and they promulgated a new rule where they wouldn't allow that to happen anymore. Because what happened to Montana? We had a coal port get blocked in the state of Washington that really hurt the state of Montana. We sell a lot of coal out of the state it, gets, it, go, it goes to a port in Washington and it, it go, goes overseas, a lot of that coal. That money, that tax revenue from those coal sales, that pays for your public schools, that pays for your public libraries. It pays for a lot of things in the state of Montana. And those coal revenues really went down after we were denied a coal port in Washington state. Um, so again, the Trump administration came in, they they properly put together a rule that stopped those kind of shenanigans. The Biden administration has now come in and they're basically trying to, in the dark of night, undo that rule. And so this is what I'm upset about um, because the, the, this, is, this is what this is gonna lead to. What, I mean, what, what's next? Can the state of Washington decide that they don't like Montana wheat leaving ports in Washington and, and that, that that's, that's somehow environmental and they need to block that? Um, that that's the kind of stuff that concerns me, and that's what's that's what this rule could allow. So I, we've, mm -hmm. we've 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 issued a letter, me and several other of my colleagues, to the Environmental Protection Agency, asking them, "Now leave the rule alone. We're fine. You're you're looking for a a, a, 
a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. And how does uh, EPA water rule get involved with coal? Are they worried about coal dust from trains or uh, well, what is that? Anyway? I, I mean, prospectively, and we've certainly heard those arguments, but what this rule specifically says is, okay, I mean, the, the Clean Water Act is federal legislation. That, that's, that's federal right. rule. The EPA is a federal environmental. What, the, what, what this rule would allow, excuse me, <clears throat> is for a state agency to step in and have some permitting authority within that federal regulatory scheme. So, I mean, again, this gets pretty wonky, but... You, the, the, this this is going to allow a state agency to come in and have some say in whether or not that EPA clean water air or clean water permit gets gets issued, okay. uh, and that's where we have room for shenanigans. Yeah, what getting the state agency involved? Not so much getting it involved, but but allowing them to have final final veto power basically, oh, and that and that's okay. what happened here. That that's what happened in Washington when they blocked that coal port. Oh, I get you. They did okay. that under the auspices of the gotcha. Federal Clean Water Act. Mm -hmm. That but, was like Longview or Bellingham or something. Yeah, yeah, Longview and right. Bellingham. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so I, the only way we could get coal to the overseas market would be through Canada then, and that. That issue that that creates a whole other set of issues. I mean, we that we we have to get it on a branch track to get it up to Canada. Um, you're crossing other mountain ranges. I mean, there yeah. and then they've got permitting problems with getting to a port on the northern coast of the Pacific Ocean up there. I mean, the the the, the yeah. fastest best way for us to get coal out yeah. of Montana is on the main line of the mm -hmm. Behan. You know, going out to Seattle. Um, we sure see a lot of coal trains, though, along the High Line. Where are they going? They do get them out, but this would have been an expanded coal facility that would oh, have allowed us okay. to sell more. Because you have to understand, you've got a lot of Asian countries. I mean, and I'll talk specifically about about Japan, about Taiwan, about South Korea. They're moving away from nuclear, especially after Fukushima. Right? We had they had a meltdown in Japan after after they had a tsunami. They don't want nuclear power anymore and they're looking for clean coal technology they're, they're doing a lot of really really fascinating stuff in those countries working with clean coal they don't have any coal i mean those are island nations mm -hmm. primarily that don't really have those resources and so they're looking to us as their ally and in montana we have some of the cleanest coal in the world we have some of the most uh, most desired low sulfur coal in the world and we have a really hard time getting it out of here Estimate of what the state's royalty is per ton of coal. Oh man, I mean the 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 royalty severance tax on coal, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but it, it's quite high. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the only it's the only mineral in the state that we mine that the state right off the top gets gets a, a royalty that big. We get some royalty off off of oil production, but we don't have that much oil production in Montana. But we have a lot of coal. And it pays for a lot of stuff. I mean, it is a tremendous, tremendous amount of your K through 12 public education budget, um, your local library budgets, a lot of your local government. It funds a lot of state government. And so when you have these environmental groups come in and really hamstringing us and, and trying to cut off that lifeblood, I mean, that that's fine if that's our state policy now, but then we gotta start looking for other replacements on how to pay for education and, and pay for a lot of state government. Is there a replacement for that? Well, not that I found, unless we're going to start taxing windmills or <laughs> <laughs> some, you know, solar panels. I, I don't know. I mean, no, not to that level. The, the, the coal severance trust fund is huge. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. multi, multi, multi hundred million dollar. I, I don't know. I mean, I, 
again, off the top of my head, I, I don't remember, but it is a huge, mm-hmm. huge pile of money that comes to the state. But it's really been dwindling in the last couple of years because we've, we've cut back on coal production in the well, state. I'm trying to remember. My brain is kind of working on this. Um, former Governor Brian Schweitzer, uh, when he left the governor's office, he got into the coal business. He got into several mining businesses. Yeah, he got yeah. himself into a palladium and platinum mine too. Yeah, and uh, so when, uh, when that's when we started learning about just how much this coal is worth to the state budget. It's tremendous, yeah. And I, I didn't have any mm-hmm. inkling of it until I, really, I, I was in the legislature and you start going through the state budget and the appropriations process. And I mean, obviously property taxes is, is a big issue right now. People are, yeah, there's, oh, yeah. there's a big fight over state property taxes. Um, you know, we got to look for other sources of revenue, and coal really is a great one that we have in the state. It, it, it's funded us for a lot of years, but uh, there's a real war against it right now. So far, you've been able to keep your office out of this uh, tussle between the counties and the uh, uh, and the governor's office. The uh, uh, state revenue department has been in charge. Do you see yourself having to get involved in that? We don't really have a reason to be involved. I mean, early on, the the counties were asking me for for an attorney general's opinion. So I I do have the authority to issue an attorney general's opinion that has the the force of law until it's challenged in court. And so what we found out very quickly was that had I issued an AG's opinion that the counties didn't like, they were going to sue. And if I issued an an AG's opinion that Department of Revenue and the governor's office didn't like, they were going to (laughs) sue. So we just went, well, there's really not a reason for us to do a bunch of research and issue an opinion. Mm -hmm. You guys clearly got to figure this out or the legislature's got to come in and fix the law. So you stay out of it. Yeah. I mean, and and we're the Department of Justice. I mean, we don't deal with taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't have tax attorneys that work for me. That's the Department of Revenue. That's their gig. Well, we got another lawsuit against Meta, and this one really fascinates me because Robin and I have this thing about Instagram. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk with you about that after this. How many choices do you make in a day? From what clothes you wear to what's for lunch, there are many. We'd like to help the big ones be a little easier. This is Julia McDaniel with Glacier Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. There are many places to get a personal loan, online and here in town. If you choose Glacier Bank, we promise to do everything we can to make the process simple and pleasant and get you the money you need to make something exciting happen. Maybe it's a new vehicle, kitchen remodel, or summer toy. There are barbecue grills to consider and landscaping projects to think about. You make those decisions. Glacier Bank will handle the rest. Call or visit. Let's sit down with a cup of coffee and get things rolling. Now, what to make for dinner. Glacier Bank's Community Conversations. Here again is Robin Mitchell. Our conversation this morning with Attorney General Austin Knudsen covering a lot of miles. Right now we're going to focus on... Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook, and I guess Instagram, I don't know what else they have, but I don't have Instagram, John doesn't. No. We're too busy, but I see stuff <laughs> linked on my Facebook page. You're not, you're not influencing? Huh? You're not influencing as you're sitting in the studio? Uh, I, no, no, I... Uh, I influence in different ways, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, why the lawsuit against Meta? So I'm in charge of the Montana Office of Consumer Protection, too. Right. Uh, and, and early on in my administration, we started receiving several complaints about 
a number of the social media companies. And we started looking into a few of them. And a couple of them stood out pretty prominently. I mean, obviously we can talk about TikTok, but Instagram is an interesting one. What we found with Instagram is so, so Instagram bills itself as safe for kids. I mean, you, if you go on to the, the Apple Play Store or, or, or excuse me, the, the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, that application, Instagram, is rated as suitable for teenagers. It's safe for your kids to have. Well, what we found out, and we actually did this investigation within our, our, our department, set, it, set up a couple burner accounts and, you know, said, hey, we're 13-year-old boys yeah. or, or whatever the case may be. A lot of really dangerous, inappropriate content starts Ooh. coming your way very, very quickly. Um, and what's concerning is the more investigation we've done, we found out that Meta and Instagram were aware of this. They they were very aware of the fact that their algorithm, the more you, the, the, the more young people looked at drug material, at suicide material, at body modification material, the more their algorithm was pumping that stuff to these kids. And what's worse. We actually found that it didn't take you long to start getting actual drug dealers contacting you through Instagram. Whoa! Uh, yeah, wow. and and that's I mean, and again, that's our own internal investigation. That's not somebody else's investigation that we're relying on. We could show that that was mm -hmm. actually happening. So, the reason we've sued Instagram is is basically to say, look, this is kind of false advertising. I mean, you're you're telling parents that this stuff is okay for you, guys. We had a 13 year old boy here in Montana who fell victim to a sextortion scheme off of Instagram. Started started communicating with somebody on Instagram. They said, hey, send me some send me some inappropriate pictures of you. You send me yours, I'll send you mine. This young man sent some inappropriate pictures and pretty soon some foreign actors using Instagram told him, give us money or we're gonna publish these pictures. Wow. And that, that young man went and took his own life. Mm. Uh, I mean, just absolutely horrifying. But there's multiple, multiple cases of these around of this around the country. This is just one that happened to happen, happened to happen here in Montana. Um, but a lot of drug content, a lot of pornography, um, a lot of dangerous suicide content that doesn't take long and they're, they're feeding that to your, to your young people. So, so yeah, basically what we're saying is this, this is adult content. Don't yeah. hold yourself out as being appropriate for children. Make sure parents have all the information about your application and, and advertise this correctly. And especially when we can see some, some information that you knew about this. Yeah. You know, this, 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 this well, wasn't... these algorithms really bother me because they, they target everybody. And they target everybody with stuff that they think you want, but they think you might be interested in. And, you know, you don't have any control over it because you have no idea what these it's, algorithms are. Yeah, I would go right. so far as to say they bombard you. I, I bought yeah. a shirt online this same shirt every time I go on the internet, right? I, it shows up, and I'm going. I already have the shirt. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, I, I I like it when I'm having a conversation with my wife about something, and you know, we, maybe we're talking about you know new patio furniture. Yeah. And pretty soon, in my, my my Facebook feed is full of patio ads furniture. for patio furniture. Well, that's strange. And you're just talking about it. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little spooky, right? It's yeah. a little scary. So uh, anyway, so you filed a, a lawsuit against Meta. Uh, any response, or do they have a response period now? We or? just filed this, so they've got. Uh, I think. Uh, I think under the the federal scheme, they've got twenty days to file file their answer. Okay. Um, we've had some communication with them, but I mean, look, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Meta—they're huge. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. they're they're not terribly interested in answering and they, my and phone calls. And they got a lot of attorneys on their payroll and. That, that seems to be a real problem 
with these behemoths out there, they can game the system. Well, and this is a really interesting case because, I mean, you've got me, a a Republican, right, that filed this lawsuit. New Mexico, they've got a a Democrat AG, and almost the same time we did, they filed their own lawsuit under almost the same theory. So Hmm. this is a bipartisan issue. I mean, you've got concerned parents and you've got concerned elected officials looking at now, I've, I've noticed pretty bad acts. I've noticed you've weighed in with amicus briefs on a lot of different subjects uh, when it's going on in some other state. Uh, is what is the purpose of that? Is it lobbying or showing solidarity? Yeah, we're concerned about this too. A lot of it is showing solidarity, but I mean, a, a lot of times I have to be concerned. I mean, we're so we're in the Ninth Circuit, right? Right. The, the, the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. The circuits kind of tend to follow each other. So if there's something that's a really hot button issue that that I think is important to the state of Montana, maybe it's going on in the Fourth Circuit. But again, these circuits, they all kind of look at what each other are doing. Um, and ultimately, sometimes that issue is probably going to end up at the month or at, at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so I want to make sure that we're on the record, that we're creating a good record for the U.S. Supreme Court if they are to take that case up. That's the biggest reason I file those. Well, you sure made my morning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but you guys make my morning every time I'm here. Well, I guess just knowing about this stuff is just downright scary. Lots but, going on. But we got to know about it if we're going to fix it. Yep, that's right. Well, Attorney, thank you, Austin. Yep. Attorney Thanks General for having Austin me. Knutson. Our Thanks, pleasure. guys. Appreciate Thanks it. so much. It's Glacier Bank's Community Conversations, a service of Glacier Bank where your checking is totally free. Anywhere you are here in northwest Montana, you'll find a Glacier Bank office nearby, keeping you connected to your friends and your community, an important part of the mission of Glacier Bank, member FDIC and an equal housing lender. 